Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Histopoly. Uh, today we got another character profile for you guys, so hopefully that'll be good. We're going to be focusing on Marquis de Lafayette. Uh, I know a lot of people may have heard a little bit more buzz about him because of the recent release of the Hamilton uh, thing. So people are looking for a little bit more information. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's an extremely interesting guy who perhaps he's not spoken about more than just his little Billy America revolution, but he is a lot more than that, and we're going to get into that. Before we do, though, uh, here's just a little reminder. Uh, we got our Patreon set up. We got our Twitter set up, our Instagram, our Facebook page. If you want to look us up on any of those things, Histopoly, reach out, help us out, make us grow this community a little bit longer, a little bit stronger. So uh, we're, we're looking forward to hear from you. We always love discussing stuff with our listeners. So uh, reach out. Let's have some fun together. So starting off about Lafayette now, uh, he's interesting for so many reasons because he's really instrumental in two major revolutions uh, on both sides of the world. We have the French Revolution and the American Revolution, which is where most people know him from, at least uh, in the United States here. Um, so diving into it, into his life, uh, when he's first born, he's born immediately into an extremely wealthy, uh, lots of land-owning family in France. So he's immediately into this noble life, which is really interesting because he's known for being such a revolutionary. But what's really key is He's an absolute revolutionary in every respect, but he's not a radical. And that's something that's going to continue with him for his entire life. So he starts out his career when he's really notable at 13 is when he becomes uh, an, an officer in the, in the French army. 13. That is uh, only possible due to his, his stature in, in society. He's, he's, he's already a marquis and such like that. Um, he, he's an extreme, he's, he's a noble, he's, he's got the wealth, he's got the power. So that's why he's able to, to do that so early on. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that he's not extremely successful from a young age. Uh, he is an incredibly smart, incredibly driven person, even at that age of 13. Uh, he becomes very interested in reading, writing, uh, really studying what's going on in the world around him. Uh, because he can already tell that he's living in such a period of change and such a period of uh, future revolution that he's really excited for it and his eye is immediately grabbed uh, on the other side of the world of the American Revolution of what's going on there he is enthralled in what's happening over there uh, he he's absolutely 100% for the American Revolution even though he doesn't really have any right to be he just is kind of so inspired by their message and their ideas that they're putting forward that that he's that he's pushing over like I said he's a revolutionary so he, he just feels the need to go over there and fight for them which is such a noble aspiration that he has and he's so successful in it so he obviously he gets on a boat he he goes down there and what's really interesting and uh, uh, more points to how driven he was as a person when he first arrives to America he can't speak English at all but within a single year he's essentially totally fluent in English which is which is so insane especially knowing at the time how hard it is to get your hands on on learning that it, it, he basically just learned through being in the situation having to learn and pushing himself to learn an entire new language at the old, he I think he shows up when he's 19 years old he's there he's he's working really hard he becomes a major general in the continental army which is which is huge i mean he's he's this french nobleman he's got some military experience so he really does help out the army at the time the revolutionaries the rebels so he's really instrumental in that uh he fights several major battles he's wounded at one point that doesn't even slow him down he keeps pushing i mean he's just one of the most driven people you can really read about in history both intellectually 
academically, uh, revolutionary-wise, military-wise, whatever it is in life, he always is trying his hardest at it. And it's, it's something that is so interesting to watch in a single person, how much he affects so many global events. So obviously, he, he's, a, he's a great soldier, he's a great general and a military strategist, but what his biggest point is, and the reason he's so instrumental to the war effort, is the fact that he goes back to France and lobbies for in a huge increase in French support, essentially to the point uh, where they join the war, and they, they really give him that push. Uh, he's there at Yorktown and everything, he's there for the finale, but that push for that French support is his biggest instrumental thing, and that's what you'll really hear about him in United States history courses is that is his biggest contribution because without French support, the American Revolution is in a much stickier situation. It's in a much tougher place to win. But with his assistance coming going over there as a Frenchman, as somebody who can vouch for that Continental Army, that is huge and it, it absolutely accelerates his place in the United States and really leads him to be known as such an American hero. Obviously, he has his war efforts and his things, but uh, if you, you take all that out of it, he's an absolutely amazing negotiator and diplomat for the American people on behalf uh, on behalf of the rebels and really, really gets in there with France and becomes well-known over there as a hero because now, you know, France kind of has this win over the United Kingdom, uh, over England because, you know, they kind of beat them in the American Revolution. Then, haha, England lost their colonies after they just lost the Seven Years' War. This is This is a pretty big win for the French people to have backed such a revolutionary cause. And then, of course, uh, they also get that fervor in France for a revolution after seeing such success in the American Revolution. And obviously, uh, Lafayette is a huge supporter of that. Um, he goes back to France, and he starts working within the government. He's an elected member of the Estates General in 1789. Uh, he just does so many things that are really big within the government. And then I think a, a, a large contribution that he has towards the French Revolution and towards the revolutionary ideas that power France into more of the democratic model and their chaos that ensues from the French Revolution is he joins up with Thomas Jefferson, who is our resident declaration writer and pusher for liberty uh, at the time. Uh, he writes the Declaration of the Rights of Man and of the Citizen, which is essentially, for people who don't know too much about it, it's essentially a runoff of the Declaration of Independence, and it really talks about uh, natural rights again. A lot of the things that, you know, natural rights of liberty, you know, all those things that Thomas Jefferson writes about in the Declaration of Independence and a lot of his journals, it's very, very heavy. Thomas Jefferson and Lafayette, they're very close, similar-minded about their ideals of what the government should be pushing towards their people. So they kind of come together and declare that this is what every Frenchman deserves and this is what they need uh, because... Of course, Thomas Jefferson is the ambassador to France at this time, uh, and then later Secretary of State, and they continue a very close relationship uh, throughout their entire lives, which is instrumental to Lafayette, especially through the hard times that will come towards him. He's always pushing for this liberty, and I think Jefferson and a lot of the American leaders really have such a high regard for that, as that's kind of like, the United States kind of feels like that is their model, and he kind of embodies it inside of a person, and it's awesome that he kind of represents this spread of the American Revolution ideas in, into the French Revolution. Now, unfortunately, I think a lot of people know the French Revolution is a lot messier of a conflict than the American Revolution was, and I think that's something that I don't think uh, Lafayette or Jefferson really saw happening, 
But Lafayette, like I said before, he's a revolutionary, but he's not a radical in the sense that a lot of these radicals are during the French Revolution. He still likes a certain amount of status quo. He just he's he's more pushing for an American Revolution kind of style thing where the people get more rights, but it's not like society has had this upheaval. So he kind of really pushes for this middle ground between the monarchists and these radicals he's kind of steering for this middle ground that he hopes to happen but you know knowing what we know about the french revolution it is a very messy conflict and it's really dominated by these more radical factions which start to have a problem with lafayette because he's such a well-respected figure by this time and he's such a a high-profile person, and he's kind of preaching for this more middle lane, which goes so far against their interests, that they kind of order for his arrest. Once they seize power, they're kind of like, we want him out of the picture, we want him gone. So they start chasing after him, they start kind of putting out these warrants for him and trying to take him down, as they often did at the time. Uh, this might be a whole other uh, discussion to have. It's it, the, the the breakdown of French, French government at the time. Uh, very... Salem witch hunt kind of vibe to it, where they're just going to take down anyone who has any perhaps problem with with the witch hunt that they're providing here. Uh, so, th so they're going after him, and he flees into the Netherlands, which are unfortunately held by Austria at the time. And Austria is a little bit more towards France at the time, so they kind of push in there. They uh, they arrest Lafayette, and he ends up spending five years in prison uh, for his quote-unquote crimes which are going against the government for basically just hoping for a little bit more of a moderate position because he feels like radical is just not the way to go it's just not a sustainable plan for their government's future which i mean he's clearly correct about this government does not last a, a, an extended period of time it's a very short-lived kind of experiment so then it, uh, as i said he served in prison for five years and ended that five years uh, Napoleon Bonaparte seizes control of revolutionary France and he knows that Lafayette is such a respected figure in France and he'd be a good one to wing over to kind of give more of, uh, credibility to his government so he he frees Lafayette uh, but Lafayette's not a huge fan of the Napoleonic government so he doesn't really uh, side with Napoleon but um, Napoleon isn't really too heartbroken about this he doesn't really care too awful much so he doesn't really do anything he doesn't really put any more like orders against him or anything he just kind of lets it happen of course uh that uh, another french experiment that runs its course napoleon's defeated and there's the the bourbon Res restoration uh which occurs in about uh, 1814 where he uh lafayette becomes a, a member of the chamber of deputies uh a position that is basically his last public position that he holds uh he holds that on for the next uh, however long that he lives um, but yeah, that's kind of the end of his, you know, revolutionary phase. But uh, another thing that's really important about him is his his absolute uh, respect that he has for America and that America has for him. Uh, as we said before, he's a revolutionary, but not a radical, a lot like how the American Revolution is that we discussed in our first episode of this podcast, that it's, it's less a radical thing. It's not this huge social upheaval, but it's still a revolution in their eyes. So revolutionaries are still drawn to it who perhaps still have a little bit of fondness from the world that they're from, uh, that the society that they're from. So he goes on uh, a bit of a tour of America in 1824. President James Monroe invites him to the United States as he's, they have such a close relationship, the United States and uh, 
and Lafayette they've always had. As a matter of fact, my favorite fun fact about Lafayette, uh, he gifted John Quincy Adams uh, a pet alligator when John Quincy Adams was president. And that pet alligator lived in a bathtub inside the White House for the entire for the entirety of that alligator's life, which is such an interesting little tidbit and just proves, once again, how awesome and interesting of a person Lafayette is. But anyway, back to his tour. Uh, he, he, he visits all 24 states in the Union. He does like a little a little tour, like a, like a, almost like a celebrity, like we're like a, a concert venue, like going from place to place. And it really is kind of these first, it, it is like a lot like that, like a, a celebrity coming to town. I mean, there's like huge parades, which you've never really seen before. I mean, towns are essentially throwing like huge parties, kind of competing over which state in the union is coolest at the time. So it's like this 24 state like competition of who can impress this great, Marquis, this major general in the United States Revolution, uh, they're, they're all trying to impress him. They're trying to see who has the coolest. And Lafayette kind of appreciates this, obviously. He's gotten a little bit of a of the wrong end of the, of the stick a few times in his life. So I think he kind of appreciates, hey, in America they appreciate me just as much as I, I gave so much for them. And perhaps I, I wish to bring that back to my own country. It didn't fully work out, but I'm glad that I at least made this effect in, in America. And I, I'm glad that at least... Before he died, uh, he got to see a little bit that he is appreciated and that he really did make a, a good part of, or he, he really did a lot for the causes that he believed in. Uh, even though they're not all successful, he did a lot. Uh, just another tidbit, uh, which is like much later in his life, because uh, he only lives until 1834. He lives until the ripe age of 76, where, until he passed away in Paris. But in 1830... Uh, during the July Rebellion Revolution, whatever you want to call it, which is the uh, the, the the little rebellion that is is what uh, Les Mis is based off of. That's like the main one that the students are a part of. It's obviously that's a fictionalized version, but in the real life version, uh, they actually offered Marquis to be their dictator at the time. Uh, they wanted him. They, 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 he, the July Rebellion was a lot of based off a lot of Marquis' ideas, so they hoped that perhaps he'd be, uh, uh, the Lafayette would step in and kind of really take aim at, at, at the changes that they wanted. They wanted that more moderate state. They didn't like how we, we kept going from radical, uh, how France kept going from radical to monarchy, from radical to dictatorship or like whatever it is. They wanted that more middle lane like they had provided to, uh, to um, America, although ironically they were asking to be a dictator even though they claimed that they liked what he did, which is why he ended up turning it down because he believed that they kind of misinterpreted his ideas and that they didn't fully understand what he wanted because, you know, he wouldn't want a dictator. Uh, he actually at this time supported uh, a different guy for king, uh, which then he turns against this monarch because obviously this monarch, again, was just another dictator, autocratic monarchist that kind of takes too much control and doesn't let the people really have a voice anymore, uh, which goes against everything Lafayette had fought for his entire life. Um... But yeah, unfortunately, after after that little hiccup, he does die in 1834, and he he's buried in in Paris uh, because he he is a French uh, at, at heart. But what I think is uh, an awesome thing is they do bring some soil from Bunker Hill uh, and place it above his grave, so that he's buried in France but under American soil because he's such a important figure in both these countries histories and he fought for both countries so much and he loved both countries 
so much that he really does deserve to be honored and memorialized in both. And I think that was such a great way to do it. And, and I really give props to to whoever came up with that idea back in 1834. I think it's so nice. And I think it's really something that Lafayette would appreciate. Um, but yeah, that's why I think Lafayette is so interesting. Because he, he had such strong ideas. Uh, and a lot of them were never actualized. He could never push them forward in his home country that he really believed in. But he kind of adapted the United States as like the second home, as a place that he fought for. And he saw that these things could work. And he saw that he could make a change in the world. And he just really wanted to bring that to France. Obviously, France was in too much turmoil at the time to truly understand it. But I think in modern France, a lot of people look back on his writings and his ideas and really are starting to appreciate what he has. Because, I mean, I think he would love what modern France has become. I mean, that's kind of more the ideas he would like. Obviously, it's not exactly what he'd want, but I think he would appreciate that a lot more than what he saw happening in his home country up to the point that he died. Uh, that that it's so close to America. They've continued to fight through two worlds wars together. And he kind of helped create that friendship that, that lasts for such a long time. He kind of makes that bond. He he gives us that ally for uh, you know, how long we have, we have for the for the entirety of our country, essentially, we've been close with France. And that's a lot of that comes down to Lafayette. I mean, he's just a huge, driven, motivational, inspirational person. And, and I think it's great that he that he has such such influence and such power uh, in both of the, the worlds at the time. Uh, you know, he's he's a, he's a great American, he's a great Frenchman, and, and he's truly earned the title, in my opinion, of the hero of the two worlds. He, he, he pushed for these revolutionary policies in the old world, and he created this, this land of liberty in the new world. And that's all he's really ever wanted. And I, I think it's so great that it shows, his story really shows one person can make the difference. If one person puts in the time and really believes in something and really tries for something, he can make a difference. Obviously, not everything he, he sought out for uh, actualized itself, but a lot of it did. He, he made a lot of big strides. That's why we remember him so much today. That's why he's in one of the most famous Broadway shows of all time, because he was a, a fighter. He was, he was a motivational, inspirational figure. And I think, go back I really, I really think most people listening should should go back and read a lot of his things because I'm sure you'll see yourself in him in a way or two. You know, he 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 was born into a life of you know privilege and wealth, but he didn't let that stop him. He still made himself who he wanted to be. He didn't just accept who his parents were and just decided to be them. And he didn't just say, I'm absolutely not them. He finds this middle ground to be his own person and respect the tradition and heritage that he was. And I think. That is something that I think a lot of people struggle with their whole life, and it's crazy that he was able to find that when he was as young as 19 years old, he was fighting for what he believed in. And I feel like that's something a lot of people should take with them for the future as well. I think we should all strive to be a little bit more, more a little bit more for the causes we believe in, just like Lafayette was. That's what he died for. That's what he fought his entire life for. He, he really is uh, the hero of the two worlds. But um, yeah, I think that's that's all I have to say about that great hero. Uh, if you enjoy what I was having, what I was putting down today, please uh, give us a follow, give us a review on wherever you're listening to this on, and give us a give us a follow over on our our socials. You can find us on basically anything at Histopoly. Go support our Patreon if you'd like, 
and please reach out, have a discussion with us. If you disagree with something I say on one of these, if you agree with one I said, you just want to talk more, come on down. We can talk about it. Uh, I'd love to even have you on the show one day if you'd like. If you're really passionate, really know know about a subject I've spoken about, we can of course delve deeper into any of these subjects. These are just quick little 20 minute things. But um, yeah, thank you so much, guys. It's always an honor that uh, any of you guys listen to this. So thank you. Have a great day. And I'm looking forward to uh, speaking to you guys again.